Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast. I'm the Reverend Dr. Rachel Wren, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. And I'm Rosie Candlethal, PhD candidate extraordinaire from Emory University in Hebrew Bible. Happy New Year! Happy New Year, dear listeners! Well, even though it's not the new year yet, it's true that we are bringing you preaching and teaching tips for the first Sunday of the new year, which also happens to be New Year's Day this year. Exactly. So happy new year. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> I'll give happy new year. <laughs> Rachel, you're up for this week's episode. So what kind of new year treats do you have for everyone today? Well, I got to tell you, Rosie, I was actually kind of surprised at how quickly and how easily this one came together for the most part. All right. Really? How so? Okay. Well, I sat down to prep. I opened the text and I, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm preaching a sermon or preparing for first reading podcast, I have this moment of like, okay, let's see how much tap dats need we're going to have to do here to make something work. We, we seem right. to be getting some bizarre texts where it just does not fit the cultural moment. And you're like, okay, how are we going to make this work? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so the fun thing is though, the Isaiah text for this Sunday is absolutely perfect for a New Year's Day sermon. It is chock full of preaching points that hit home in a big way for the start of a new year, even if, let's face it, you're going to have a slim showing on this Sunday after Christmas. Let's just admit that. I'm not sure how many are going to be in the pews, but it's definitely a Sunday for the diehards. Those are our faithful. That's right. Exactly. The the grandmas and the, the bachelor Norwegian farmers, at least from my context, those who were there on this <laughs> Sunday after Christmas. Uh, so for them, the Isaiah text is going to be fantastic. And the Psalm too has some pretty amazing preaching potential. And then we get to the New Testament, and we've got a theological treatise on Jesus being a sacrifice of atonement in Hebrews, and in Matthew, King Herod is killing all the babies. Yikes. <laughs> Not a great way to maybe start the new year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> exactly. So for this Sunday, I don't even have to make a pitch to encourage folks to preach from the Old Testament. The Revised Common Lectionary is just doing that for us. I'm biased. <laughs> I already was starting with, <laughs> let's start with the Old Testament. So tell us, what did you find that was perfectly perfect in the Isaiah reading for today? Well, so I'm eventually going to get us to a big fat caveat that's going to frame everything I say. But for now, let's just look at, like you said, what's so perfectly perfect about this text for New Year's Day. The actual Revised Common Lectionary reading is Isaiah 63 verses 7 through 9. And it's this gorgeous little chunk of text that waxes poetic about all the ways that God has been abundantly, excessively, prodigally faithful to Israel in the past. Do you see what I did there with that last word, prodigally? I do love when you do that, Rachel. Oh, thank I you. It. Yes, I was really excited <laughs> about that one because th that is my first preaching point. These first hmm. few verses describe a text in which God is prodigally patient and abundantly loving. Verse 7 especially is just trying to knock us over the head with these divine qualities of God. And the NRSV... It has a bit of a translation, not error exactly, but like a misstep, a, a mistake in, that almost no other translations make, actually. You see, they're missing something big. 
in, in the Hebrew, verse 7 is framed by what's called an inclusio, which I know you and I know what that word means, uh, Rosie, but for friends who haven't been in seminary recently, an inclusio, which is spelled exactly like inclusion, you just chop off the N, is a fancy way of saying a frame. The verse begins and ends with a version of the exact same Hebrew word, chesed. And so both the beginning and the ending of the verse should be translated in the exact same way, which, as I said, the NRSV unfortunately misses. That translator chose to say, I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, which is how it starts, and then they end the verse with, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. So gracious deeds, steadfast love, that sounds like different words in the Hebrew, but it's actually the same word. So in the NRSV in English, there's no way to tell that there's a framing technique being used in this verse, such that everything in the middle should be understood as enveloped, as embraced by the chesed of God. That is great, Rachel. I love that inclusion uh, and the inclusio. But I noticed that you didn't offer a translation of chesed, which is, as we both know, a notoriously slippery Hebrew word. <laughs> How about any insights for folks that might be curious about what chesed might actually be and why that's significant here? Yeah, just say chesed and move on in your sermon. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> 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 no, unfortunately, this is a tough mm. one. Um, so there's this Danish, the, the way I talk about chesed is there's this Danish word that's been floating around in our uh, pop culture for the past few years. And I don't even know quite how to say it. I think it's like higgy or I don't, I, do you know how to say it, Rosie? I'm not sure. Okay. I've seen it. Right. <laughs> H-Y-G-G-E. To any of our Danish listeners, I apologize for not having known how to pronounce that, but I'm guessing there's very few of you. Um, so this Danish word, H-Y-G-G-E, I'm going to call it Higgy, that's been going around these last few years. It's a single word that lifts up how difficult translation can be sometimes, because in mm. Danish, it's translated something like the cozy feeling of being with loved ones on a cold winter's day, <laughs> like... There's no one-to-one -one word translation from Danish to English that captures that. It needs an entire sentence to go along with it, right? That is a beautiful analogy. Yeah, chesed is exactly like that. It's really hard to translate. Right. There's no one word that, that captures it. Anytime, pretty much, dear listeners, anytime you see the phrase steadfast love in the NRSV, you can bet your buttons that they're trying to translate chesed there. And the best they can get, like the, the closest and most precise or most succinct they can get is two words to capture this one Hebrew word. And the word does encompass that. It encompasses love and graciousness and mercy and faithfulness, but it's all within the context of this covenantal relationship where I not only love you, but we are in a covenant together that dictates certain behaviors on my part as God, if God were speaking here. It's a word that God will often use when saying something like, I will forgive you for the sake of my chesed, the sake of my love, graciousness, mercy within the context of this covenantal relationship. Chesed really talks about God keeping God's end of the bargain to love and provide for the people simply because God gave the divine word to do so. So something like 
promised love or promised mercy, or the one I kind of like right now is abiding care and commitment would be something along the lines of capturing chesed. Does that ring true to you, Rosie? I mean, that is right. I mean, like, like you, I have difficulty translating this, but the, the, the number of words there too is the abiding care and commitment, but all of that is in there yeah. as you kind of try to fit it in. Yeah. yeah. With the, with the sound of exactly. <laughs> care and commitment. Yeah, oh, I, I, That was totally unintentional, but it actually kind of worked well. Oh, I wish I could claim <laughs> like that. You're far too kind, Rosie. <laughs> Either way, the point is that everything within verse seven, the praises of God, all that God has done, the abundant goodness that God has shown to Israel, all of that should be understood within the context of God's promises to love, to care for, and to abide with the people, simply because God promised to do so. And this verse talks about how that goodness has been proved over and over and over again in the past. And what a lovely thing to meditate on as we reflect on the turning over of the old year to the new. Preachers, I could imagine, you know, some, some just guided moments of reflection on asking your folks in the past year, where have you seen God in all that divine love and compassion redeeming you? Where have you seen God lifting you up? Where have you seen God carrying you all the days of old as the prophet proclaims? Where have you seen this promise play out in your lives? I, I think I could, that, I could see that as a really powerful sermon angle for this beginning of the new year. Now, another aspect of that, which could be very preachable, is you could take the angle that as your people go about making New Year's resolutions or promises or choosing a word for the year, which is kind of the new version of New Year's resolutions, they might benefit from a reminder that all of their good intentions to keep these resolutions ultimately will not change how God feels about them one bit. That God mm. loves them and has promised to be with them to love, care for, and abide over them simply because of God's chesed, God's promise to do so. It's an incredible gift. And I could see a powerful sermon that draws out that goodness that really helps people dwell and sit in all of that divine goodness and then says something like, thinking about God's goodness like that really makes you want to praise God, doesn't it? And then you could finish the sermon with a responsive reading of Psalm 148, maybe as the psalm itself, and then maybe with like a modern translation that you played with, that you put some of the events of your congregation's past year into and invite them into this moment of praise. That's awesome. So then you're just making the lectionary really work for you and your sermon, mm. like using it kind of for a rhythm. Mm -hmm. And that could be a really meaningful way to do it for your, um, for your congregation. So they can also kind of be modeling yeah. that way of looking at the RCL. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's a, it is a perfectly perfect New Year's Day reading. I love it. As long as you don't look too closely at any of its immediate context. <laughs> <laughs> so clever, right? So normally on this podcast, I'm like context, broaden the reading, include more verses. For this one, I'm going to say maybe not, because Isaiah 63, 7 through 9 is a gorgeous little chunk of text right smack in the middle of a not-so-gorgeous chapter. 
The first preceding six verses describe God as a mighty warrior whose robes are dyed red from the blood of all the people he, intentional masculine pronoun there, has stomped on in his anger, vengeance, wrath, and victory. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately following this ecstatic praise of God's gracious acts of old comes a just as passionate listing of the people's faithlessness and rebellion in days of old. So this is one of those rare instances where I'm actually going to say maybe don't go too much into the larger context on this one. Just let the text be what it will be and go from there. That makes a lot of practical sense. <laughs> <laughs> So folks, take that and run with it. And that will do it for us today. (laughs) Thank you all for listening to another episode of First Reading. All of our back episodes are available and searchable on our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. Please consider supporting our work by donating there or by sharing your favorite episodes with the Hebrew Bible lovers in your life. We're looking forward to being with you next week. And until then, I'm Rosie Candethel. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy New Year. Thank you.